just not what I am, even though my zip code has changed. I might smile and enjoy where I could be employed. Your soul can't be rearranged. But it's hard to understand. It's so hard to understand. Farewell, fam. It's episode 17 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me, as always, are J.P. Breen and Ryan Topp. Uh, we got kind of a, a potpourri episode this week, so um, I will mention that J.P. does have a little uh, trivia game for Ryan and I at the end, so stick around for that. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps fans find the podcast, so just take a minute, leave five stars, and write something nice about us. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And you can also follow the three of us individually on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee Tailgate Twitter bio. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the Mix Pre 3 and Mix Pre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, I want to do a quick callback to what we were talking about. I think it was in the previous podcast. It's either a week or two ago. We said we thought we had a bot up in the UP. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. That was giving us extra listens. Yeah. We no. do not. We no. do not. We, we uh, received a message from Jeremy Reese. He is our uh, UP listener up there. Only yeah. one? Well, there might be more, but he specifically he, wanted to let us know that he, he is, is the, he, the dude. Well, he is the official. He is the official UP. He is our official UP listener. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he sent us a picture because he wanted to make sure that he knew that he was not a bot. <laughs> we could have just clicked not a bot. He, he sent, sent a picture uh, of his man cave and all of the decked out with uh, Brewer stuff and everything. So, yeah, he's... He's more of a recent Brewers fan trying to get into it. So, yeah, he sent us a Have message. Have we been given permission to like put that in our uh, the show notes? Well, we say if you want to be on the show, send us a message. No, no, no. I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, think, I don't think we're going to put his picture on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. That doesn't seem great. Yeah, but we not, can at least know that, that Jeremy, thanks for listening. Yes, we do appreciate it. And can I see Jeremy? I haven't seen this. I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> Again, remember, the, the, the Facebook page run by Ryan Topp. <laughs> and he needs to see the picture that we received through Facebook because, you know, that's how well he runs everything. I hadn't checked it. Yeah. Ryan's a professional. <laughs> really, really professional there. So thanks for that, Ryan. But Jeremy, like I said, we do appreciate you listening. So uh, keep it up. And hey, you know what? If you want to let any of the other uh, youpers up there know about the podcast, please do that because we'll take listeners from anywhere. Didn't we? We have some international listeners, right? I, think I no, mean, the UP, the UP is part of the United States, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, technically, sure. Ryan thinks anything north of Green Bay is Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's pretty right. close. Um, so Let's talk about some brewer stuff. You want to talk about some brewer stuff? Now, you yeah. guys were getting into a bit of a debate this week. We did. About, uh, I guess, your view of who the brewer should target in the offseason. Correct, Ryan? It was an idea I threw out, yeah. Well, what was your idea? So I think what I tweeted, the the words that I used were. 
you're acting you know what, like David we Stern's didn't talk bringing... about this ahead of time. <laughs> Why are you not prepared? I had to, I had to pull it up. You, you know what, David Stearns? Bring me Tyler Chatwood and Brian Shaw, and that'll be the basis of a pretty solid offseason, which maybe was overselling a little. I mean, to me, that's sort of like that could that could serve as a sort of a minimum point. Like if they, if that was the, the big moves that they made in free agency, I'd be pretty I, I couldn't be mad about that. I'd, okay, so hey, so Chatwood just, led the league in losses this year in Colorado. Yeah, I mean he really, really, yeah, that's something, but Steve. What we should what we should note is in that like little rundown of what Ryan has given about his opinion, he has said first of all that maybe that could be the minimum of what they would do, and also say if that were the maximum, it would also be like acceptable. So no matter what, if we get into a spot in which we get to the point that Chatwood and uh, and Dyson are not enough. He'll say, "Oh, don't worry. I just said that was the basis, and we can continue to to add to it." Brian but if we Shaw. get to the spot where we say that that would be the basis because of you know whatever reason, if we want to say that the Brewers might not be competitive or whatever, and we could say that would be like the biggest moves, then Ryan could still say he was okay with it. So Ryan's kind of covered all of his bases no matter where the conversation goes at this point. Well, and it's crazy because uh, Chatwood has a career-high 158 innings in a season. That's the best he's done. Yes. In a season. Mm-hmm. And I, you want to add him to a rotation that needs innings. Well, and, and by the way, Ryan has explicitly said that he thinks the rotation needs innings. Because of the fact that they have so much uncertainty at the back end of it right now, they needed to add... I mean, really, they needed to add upside more than anything. They needed to add some upside pitching to that. And Chatwood was away from uh, Coors Field Wait, last you've, year. you've advocated for really... Jake Arrieta, and now you're advocating for upside. What do you want? Jake Arrieta has more upside than Tyler Chatwood. It's just a much well, I wouldn't price. say I wouldn't say Arietta has upside. You kind of know what he is. He's not going to be better than he probably was in the past season. He, and now well, we're talking very about easily I'm just saying be better than he was on total for the last. Season. And now we're talking about otherwise Chat- I wouldn't want to pay what it would cost to get him to do that. That would not be. Yeah, he definitely has more upside than what he showed last season. A hundred percent. Arietta has more upside than his overall well, performance last year. Let, let, let's put this into context because uh, Derek Harvey asked us a question on, on Twitter saying that would you rather sign somebody, pay the money for Jake Arrieta, even though you know he is likely an aging mid-rotation pitcher, uh, potentially a little bit better, potentially a little bit worse, depending on how you fall on on Arrieta, or would you rather go for a back-end piece that potentially has an upside to be a mid-rotation piece, but not spend as much money and target somebody like uh, Chatwood? So where do you fall on that? My first reaction is I would rather have Arrieta. that comes with a qualifier that we're talking about a Scott Boris client here and a guy in a market that looks like Boris is really shooting for the stars in terms of some prices. I there but is every, definitely there are definitely no 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 that. I know but we will see where Arietta it if we're talking about Jake Arietta for a four year deal of a hundred ten million dollars or something so you know if that's what we're talking about what's where the math the, on that per season. It'd be about 27 and a half. I just want to make you do the math real quick. Yeah, 27 and a half. <laughs> if that's what we're talking about for Jake Arrieta, give me Jake Arrieta. If we're talking about Jake Arrieta at six years and 150 million versus Chatwood at, I don't know, uh, three years and 40 million or something, give me Chatwood. But 
I, I mean, there's there's wiggle room within there. So 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 which one do you want? Who? Well, I just said I would prefer Jake Arrieta. I think Jake Arrieta is a considerably better pitcher. Well, no, but you said Boris is shooting for the stars. So considering that. Well, but we don't know what, and then you said he didn't know what it was because he does that so every then, year. So we don't well, know what he's going to settle on. So. so then what's the point of bringing up your tweet saying that you wanted Tyler Chatwood? Chatwood, because Arietta is still a fairly unrealistic proposition. Chatwood is okay. a, a, a fallback option there where I can go, yeah, Chatwood is interesting. And he gives, I think, upside that maybe isn't readily apparent on the surface. And I think that he could be a valuable piece of a decent Brewers rotation this year. How did you end up settling on like Tyler Chatwood? That's not someone that people just are automatically like, Ooh, that's who I saw multiple, but I was going through all the, the top 50 free agent lists and multiple people just sort of centered on him as a guy that had, you know, some upside and people brought up the fact that away from away from Coors last year, his ERA was right around three. So, I mean, he, and he, he had a two mile an hour jump in uh, fastball velocity. This was stuff pointed out by Dave Cameron. So just like, last year, this last year, yeah, he had about a two mile an hour jump in fastball velocity. So you're hoping so, that he maintains fastball velocity in the. I'm hoping season. that he found something there. He's so also you, he's only 28 years old. He's not particularly old for getting. So you want a guy market. who threw 24 innings, big league innings in 2014. Somebody who didn't pitch in the big leagues in 2015 because he was injured, and somebody who has never pitched more than 158 innings in a big league season. Because he's got a velocity jump, which is a very difficult situation in terms of trying to predict arm injuries because somebody is trying to put a little bit more stress on his arm if it's not being done properly. And so th- this is the person that you are going to rely on for an offseason move. I mean, when you say rely on, there will be other things done with it. He could, If he is the best free agent signing that they make, I can live with that. They're probably going to have to do some other things to make it you know, a, a complete off season. And I did in that tweet actually say also Brian Shaw, but that's, we'll set that aside for now. But yeah, I mean, if that's, that's a good starting point, I think it gives you, it's, it's a fallback position. It's not, again, what I would say is my number one priority for the off season. But if it ends up being that, if that's what you end up doing, I could be pretty happy with that as a solution and there's a lot of other things that could happen as well. They could, you know, make any number of trades that would be interesting. They could do any number of things. And I'm probably not going to come out of the, no matter what they do this offseason, I'm probably not going to come out of it going, well, they really should have done more. Because at this point, I think David Stearns has earned more than enough trust that we need to at least see what he's done and give it some time because he's had two fantastic offseasons in a row. So whatever he does at this point, I'm at least going to say, okay, let's see how this plays out. I mean, you bring up Brian Shaw too, but isn't Shaw a reliever? Right. Yeah. Which to give them another high leverage reliever. Okay. Somebody, so we were talking about getting innings. Well, you also need innings in the bullpen. That's, you know, well, 2017. So, but you need but both. this gets into, this gets into a discussion that I think is important because Ultimately, when it comes down to it, you're not interested in trying to make any major moves for the upcoming season. And so whether or not they actually try to go for somebody like Arietta to try to, you know, significantly upgrade the rotation, 
you're not coming out thinking that the Brewers are going to be in position to meaningfully contend in 2018. And therefore, your fallback position is you would rather go with somebody who doesn't cost a lot, somebody who might have a little bit of upside so you could be pleasantly surprised. But even if they do hit that upside, you still don't think that, that the Brewers are going to compete in 2018, correct? Oh, no. I, I definitely think they can compete in 2018. I didn't think they could compete this year, and I was very wrong about that. I'm not making that mistake again. I think they can compete. I don't know. We talked about kind of on paper where we think this team is right now, and I would say on paper it's probably about a 500 team. Where Wait, but they you stand think, you today, think Chatwood and Shaw are two guys that makes this a competitive team? I think it, if – well, okay. You sign Chatwood and Shaw that if they're about, you know, an 82-ish win team on paper before that, maybe that makes them an 85 – ish 86 ish win team on paper those two are three to four wins better than what they have just as replacements within the organization considering what they're replacing yeah because that's that's some of the most murky uh areas of the team you know starting pitch the starting rotation is a murky area right now we just don't know because do we know what brandon woodruff is going to give us wouldn't even no, but we wouldn't even know what wood would give us no, we we don't, but he has he has the ability to be a very very solid middle of the rotation starter this year. He was last year. Yeah, for and the he Rockies, also, and he, and he and also he, walked four point six guys per nine innings. How does that get much better when he leaves Coors? I don't know. I'm Does not. A, I'm not a. I was going to say, I'm not a huge believer in the like the idea that you can isolate something like that and predict that it's going to move over. No, uh, 4.66 away from home. Okay, so the same either way? Okay. I, yeah, mean, and I his, want no uh, part of and that. His, and by the way, his away uh, batting average on balls and play was 217, so I wouldn't be suggesting that's going to be able to hmm. follow through next year either. Okay. You didn't really do a lot of research on this, Ryan. Oh, I... <laughs> Hey, by but, the way, uh, excuse me for putting out a topic to discuss. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. But all, but ultimately, this gets to any kind of off-season plan, and we're going to talk about it before the the winter meetings, and we'll obviously talk about it right now. But it comes down to isolating uh, how how this team can best compete in 2018, and what the team needs. Because ultimately, what happens is people just kind of look down free agent lists or they look on on potential trade things and they just see where are some guys that are good where are some guys that are good value buys where you know we could pay less than they would ultimately be able to give us in value in 2018 and those are seen as just quality moves in general which in the abstract that might be the case but when you're a team like the brewers now that have a lot of minor league depth they don't have a like a ton of space on the 40 man roster in general to just be adding guys without being able to keep in mind where they should be adding it to maximize their roster. It's about isolating where the team needs help and not just position wise in terms of what kind of value needs to be, to be added to the team because not all value is equal, whether it's innings, whether it's upside, whether it's power, whether it's average, like, like wins above replacement, are not all created equally, right? Just like we were talking about OFP the other day or last week or whenever it was like all of those value things just can't 
can't be chucked into something and say this team has 45 wins above replacement. They're an 80 whatever win team. I don't know what the baseline level is anymore. Um, but I, I so that's like ultimately where I want to know where you fall down. Like what needs to be addressed for this team to compete next year? Not to say that like, and, and to be able to say, is the best avenue for competing relying on getting lucky, relying on getting guys who can get a bunch of upside and you can hit on guys just like happen, just like it happened in, in 2017, right? Because if that's the path, that's a totally different discussion in which you it doesn't necessarily matter how much. And maybe you should target guys that, you know, don't cost all that much and just have a lot of upside because you got to get lucky anyway. So you might as well stockpile that. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think I'm I'm not really disagreeing with you in any way here. It's I think that No, the, I want to know what you think needs to be addressed is what I'm asking. I think they have to add guys who can give them um some significant upside to be decent role players in the in the pitching staff. A starter and a reliever. Well, you want upside role players. To I want guys who have the upside to be able to play important roles in the I guess so your your focus you think it's more important to go for upside this year than just get guys who are going to f- you know basically eat innings. You would rather take a chance on somebody who there's no guarantee that they're going to even throw 150 innings, but if things break right they could be, you know, closer to a mid-rotation starter than just getting somebody who yeah, he's a, you know, 4-5, you know, even just kind of replacement guy, but we know we can trot him out there every day. I think there's there's value in those guys too and if they decide that that's the direction they're going there's merit to it but I think my preference at this point is they need to have some guys who can potentially be very you know good players for them. Okay. Guys so- that can give them good qual- high quality innings and that's obviously that's hard to get. Everybody in baseball wants guys who will throw them high quality innings. So you have to pay a you have to either pay a huge premium for it or you have to take a chance on somebody that has some sketchiness to their record and hope that you hit on, on the upside play. So you have to sort of do either of those things because you're not just going to get some guy who has a proven track record of being a good big league pitcher who is going to you know, fall into your lap for a low cost. Even if you trade for them, the trade cost is going to be huge. Isn't so, that, couldn't you say that for every single offseason ever? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. But their position is weird because we've talked about the fact that they don't have they don't they have a lot of guys. They have a lot of depth. We've we've established that what they have all over the place is depth, but they have a decent amount of uncertainty, especially in the rotation now with Jimmy Nelson out. Um, they just don't have. After you look at Chase Anderson and you look at Zach Davies, it's a lot of options. There's a lot of people who could potentially be decent starters for them there, but we just don't know who that's going to be. Okay. So I'm going to interrupt you here. Okay. We kind of briefly touched on it, uh, or you, you briefly touched on it. Um, and we've had this question. I've been, I've had it sitting in our queue for a while. Uh, Jerry Eldred asks, what would you guess the Brewers record or where will they be in the, uh, NL standings in 2018? The other competitive teams appear to be in good shape and are able to fork over some money in free agency. So basically like, are the Brewers going to be able to compete next year? Are you expecting something similar to 2017? Or uh, as constructed, do you think they just have too far to go? 
So basically, what's a number for wins, and do you think they have too far to go? JP. Uh, I see them as, so as currently constructed, right? Yeah, or we'll like go as own. currently constructed, because we have no idea what they're going to do. Right, but okay. That that wasn't quite what the question asked, so I wanted to, to clarify. Um, I'd put them at about 80 or 81 wins. So we're honest. real close, because I said 81, 82-ish, so... Yeah, because I don't necessarily have any idea what Jimmy Nelson is going to be able to bring this year. I think that Chase Anderson could take a step backwards. And across the offensive spectrum, there are some question marks and there are some guys that could take steps backwards. There are guys that could take steps forward too. Um, But I think a young roster with pitching questions, both in the rotation and the bullpen, and you are going to have to rely on guys like Travis Shaw being you know, that breakout being real, you're going to have to rely on Manny Pena being able to kind of be a real guy who can handle a workload again. You're going to have to rely on Domingo Santana really being the guy. You're going to have to rely on the fact that Ryan Braun is going to have to stay healthy. There are so many question marks there that I have a really difficult time putting them above 500 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, makes a lot of sense, I guess. So where do they have potential to improve? Center field could be better in the coming mm-hmm. season, depending on what f- the combination of Phillips and Brinson do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The back end of the rotation could, you could have guys emerge and end up being, you know, pretty good big league starters. You could have Woodruff, Hader, um, even Corbin Burns. You could have these guys come in and be solid big league starters. And that could give them a very deep rotation. We just, you can't project that right now. So you just don't know but they yeah, have I mean, the they have the ability i think to do that we just don't know what's going to happen so i mean do we think like orlando arcia could take a step forward yeah i mean i think that arcia is a, is a position in which you could see somebody take a step forward i think it'd be difficult to be worse at second base this year um and then center field is a place that should be able to take a step forward especially if brinson is able to uh, kind of hit the ground running a little bit not necessarily go through a huge down down stretch at the beginning um, and then, I mean, there is a chance in left field is going to be more productive too. If Ryan Braun can stay healthy more than he did last year. Um, there's a, there's an argument that I've made in the past saying that Eric Thames is that, yeah. it, like Eric Thames is actually somebody who could take a step forward at first base and become how big of a step forward is, is a big question, but he's got the tools to be able to do it. Like the kind of guy who could get legit MVP votes. That's I mean, if you, like if taking you, a step forward, cause that's, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I think that that would be an extreme, extreme end of taking a step forward. But I think you, there is room to take step forward and just be better than he was last year and still not be MVP caliber. Well, I mean, MVP votes. So, like, you know, that back half. What's the difference between being MVP caliber and getting MVP votes? Yeah. Uh, four wins and eight. Right, like that's about what it is. Like, I don't know, Just, guys. Guys in the back end of the MVP, hey Ryan, of the MVP do, get like. You want me to edit this wins? out for you? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, because I think right now, if you are, if you're the Milwaukee Brewers, if your deal, if you're going to say my, the plan is to be able, like the only real path to contention is if a lot of the the upgrades that that came through last year, like Shaw are able to hit again, but we need to be able to make up for guys like Jimmy Nelson and we need to hit in a couple of other spots as well. If that is the the goal and you're just relying on a lot of the breakouts, uh, then I actually don't have a huge issue with trying to get some certainty 
uh, in the rotation on 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 the low end, right? Whether it's somebody who can you just know can give you 170, 180 innings, be a back end of the rotation starter. The vast majority of Twitter is going to hate them because being a back end starter means that you're going to have some blow up days. So what's um, that look but, like? Jason Vargas. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, your buddy Lance uh, Jamie Lynn. Garcia thought Lance Lynn would be on there. Lance would, Lynn could I be the high end of that. I wouldn't necessarily say Jaime Garcia is, is somebody that I want to put in for certainty of innings. But he's, he's been yeah. up over 160 the last two seasons, I believe. Yes, but uh, longer, longer scope uh, leads me to believe that Jaime Garcia is not somebody that you would want to rely on over a long period of time of being healthy. Sure. Um, now, if they but, did something like that and then put themselves in a position for if things go badly this year, if things, you know, Nelson doesn't come back, if some of the younger guys don't take the steps forward or hoping for. Are we planning on Nelson coming back? When you guys, when you guys come up with uh, win totals, is that factored in like they're getting, you know, three, two months, three months, four months of Jimmy Nelson? I, I guess in my head, I've been just thinking, you know, July. I've been, yeah, after the All-Star break. So basically like solid, solid three months. A half season of Jimmy Nelson is kind of what you guys yeah. are looking at. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And maybe and at a, at a, maybe not the uh, as effective as he was last year because that was a big step forward. Well, right. Um, so we're talking about a guy that, who's maybe worth a win or two. When you were but I think about it's, it. It's, if if that's the plan, and you look at your roster and you're like, we have to be able to uh, frankly get lucky. We have to just like in 2017. I don't actually think there's a huge point going for for somebody like chatwood i don't think there is a huge point in going in with somebody like arietta i think your your goal should be in that case to go for somebody who can be a low-end pitcher somebody who can be a number four number five give you a lot of innings and realize that your upside is probably in your rookie pitchers that you want to get more time but if if the brewers go in and they say we think we're a you know 84 win team and we think that Shaw's legit we think that uh Chase Anderson's legit we think that Corey Knable is going to be able to to have a a season somewhat close to be able to lock down the closers role if you think that there's somebody like that there's no point in going in with somebody like like chat chatwood there's no point in going in with somebody like Jason Vargas there is every point to be going in for a high-end starter to be able to bolster your roster and understand that your uh, your your upside play or your innings are going to come just on the back end with a whole lot of rookie arms. Okay. And so it de- I think it just depends on where you think the team is. Um, but I don't see a real point in somebody like Chatwood other than like trying, trying to get cute and hope that you can, you know, make some surplus value or something. Well, or the other idea with somebody like Shaw or Chatwood is if you – if you do, if they produce, but your the team is not as good as what you would hope, you could potentially don't look take at, trade value. You can potentially look at moving them. That's that's a it's a legitimate option. That's it's so not, many that's so a, many moving pieces to get that option. to work. But it it it's um, the point is that even if the team isn't great, there can still be value in a player like Chatwood or like Shaw or like some of these others that you've mentioned in that you can flip them and, you know, accrue value in a year where things don't go the way that you want. That's, that's but if, not controversial. But if that is, if, no, but if that's the goal in which part of your rationale for signing somebody, they're going to be able to accrue trade value at mid season. 
then you shouldn't actually be holding back your guys in the upper minors that should be getting time for 2019. Well, there's no point. Well, it there's seems no like a weird way in... to try to compete is saying we're going to we're going to be competitive, but we're also going to be willing to sell off like immediately if things look like I mean, they aren't going to how we want. That's literally to what the Padres did a couple of years ago. Well, and the Marlins did it too, but that's it's not necessarily two franchises you really want to emulate when you're it's a it's a it's a it is a position that can exist. It's not that's not the what you want to have happen. It's not what, but it potentially could set itself up that that would be you know a way that. Well, but like JP was saying, then you're aiming too low for the guys you're bringing in. Well, okay, that again, Chatwood. We began this discussion by talking about the fact that I would go after Jake Arietta. So, I mean, again, Chatwood was more of a fallback position to begin with. It's not. You're still shooting for Arietta, but there's one of them, and he's going to have his choice of places to go, and the price tag is likely to be very high, possibly more than what the Brewers want to pay. So there's other possibilities that exist within free agency. It's not Jake Arietta or nothing. You can, you can get value from guys in other ways. You can get guys further down the list that can provide some upside to you, can provide some certainty to you, can provide a lot of different things to you, including potentially trade value if the team doesn't end up where they want or, you know, whatever. You know, we got a question from Keith Anderson, and he asked, uh, who are the starting pitcher acquisitions that excite you the most? And well, the so, trade acquisitions, or, right? Yes. So, well, I was going to try to set up a Tyler Chatwood <laughs> question. <laughs> I know and JP were, had to ruin it for me. Well, but that's not, that's not nice to Keith, who asked us a very nice question about trade acquisitions. It is a very nice and question. I feel like he, and I feel like he should be honored for that. Well, it, it is funny. Yes, Keith asked uh, what trade acquisition would excite you the most. And I know, Ryan, you have an issue with any kind of trade acquisition since you'd have to tr- probably trade prospects for these guys. <laughs> is there anyone you'd be willing to give up prospects for? I mean, it's all about what the, the cost of those guys Significant. Are. If it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That, Out of your top 10. I don't know that they're. Or, that, or young big league guys. I don't know that I think enough of Chris Archer to pay what everybody seems to think is going to be. The opening bid is like two top 50 prospects. So opening, I mean, that's just for starters to even start discussing Chris Archer. You would be talking Lewis Brinson and, and, uh. Uh, Corbin Burns, like pretty much right away. Well, if we and can, then plus other guys. If, if, if the Brewers are able to hold on to Monty Harrison, I mean, would you be willing to do that? Because JP, do you think Harrison's going to start popping up in the top fifty, or is he just going to kind of break into top one hundred lists? Uh, I don't think he'll be top fifty. No, probably. I would say back half of the top hundred. Yeah, that would be not in the top fifty. So. Right. Um, okay, so, I mean, would you be okay if you ended up unloading those two, but you had Monty Harrison still? Like, I mean, it, is Monty Harrison, some of it's going to depend on what else. I mean, are we talking about four top ten prospects? Is Monty Harrison good enough to be the top of your system right now? Like, if Monty Harrison's the best prospect in your system, are you happy with that farm system? If you're getting Chris Archer in return, it's something that I could live with. It's not something that I think is ideal. Um, the advantage of Archer is he has an insanely nice contract and he's locked in for four years. And he's so young. And you're not, I think anything, what we got to with this, with, with the discussion we were having this week was basically me saying at the end, I wouldn't want to do anything this year that is going to drastically hurt them and their their ability to win 
in the coming three, four, five years when I think their team is set up to be better than what it is now. I think that the the needle is still pointing upwards for this team in general and for the young well, talent I would that's hope. there. Yeah, and so I would not want to do anything that would significantly undermine that. Chris Archer, because of the, the length of the contract that he has, has the potential to be a, an important cog in the team for a long time. JP, would you be happy with Monty Harrison and the rest of the depth in the Brewer system if it meant giving up uh, Brinson and Burns and maybe a couple other pieces? Um, I mean, hypothetically, yeah. I think that maybe like Hira and Brinson would be a little bit too much if, if Monty, because I, I still have Hira number two. Um, but I mean, if, if literally the package. Wait, 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 Lewis, wait, wait, wait. Was that, did you just draw a line on prospects did you just say that like there was a certain point of prospects that you would not cross there was a prospect rubicon no we had a a ranking of one to ten and hero is two sure harrison was three am i suggesting that i think that brinson and hero would be too much for chris archer yeah and i don't think that that is drawing a line on anything that's just suggesting that's a package of prospects is probably too much my stance on trading for chris archer is not like yeah dude whatever do whatever the fuck you want who cares <laughs> just unload it um but i think that if if you got in a position in which it was lewis brinson plus what do you say corbin burns yeah well, yeah burns and then obviously we take it and well, then we're right. talking and about other guys too, probably. Lower guys, sure. I think you should absolutely think pretty damn hard about that. I mean, if it was if it was Brinson, Burns, Diaz, and then maybe somebody you like to is young, you know, that's not quite in the top, you know, twenty. Yeah, of that'd prospects. be tough just because I, I like Diaz more than most. So I mean that'd be Feliciano. That, I mean that'd be like three of my five top five, which would be a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean yes, if Feliciano was the third piece, and then there was another piece beyond that, I think I would feel pretty comfortable going that route. Okay, Ryan, I mean, I'm, do you, I'm not do you sure have any what, issues with any no, of that. I mean, again. There's, there's. And, an I mean, this is all made. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're kind of coming up with stuff off the top of our heads. We have no idea if that would even get close to getting it done. Yeah, and I think that the Rays, I think that they're going to t- treat Chris Archer like the stud commodity that he is, and I don't think they're going to just move him to move him. I think they're going to make somebody bring an excellent what? offer. Do you remember when they traded uh, David Price for Drew Smiley and uh, Brad Miller? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? That was pretty stellar. So yeah. I well, oh, and Ozzy I wouldn't think of the Rays as somebody who never make bad trades. Not no, no, saying no. that like you should rely on them making, but like they don't necessarily have a great track record in saying that they're going to hold people for a king's ransom on players. Though I will Please. say, Sm- Smiley, if the guy could stay healthy. And we're burying the best player in that deal, Ozzy Abilis. Like he, sure. yeah, like he was extremely young, and it was a lot of projection at that point. But people kind of knew that he was an ascendant player. Who are you talking about? Am I messing the name up? The shortstop that came over from Detroit. Oh, Willie Adams. Willie, yeah, thank you, Willie Adams. Yes, <laughs> sorry. Why did I, where did I get Ozzy Abilis from? Uh, the Braves. Okay. Okay. He's good. 
Yeah, I just, I hit a different, I just had the wrong dude. Anyway, yes. Okay. So anyway, I'm, <laughs> are there other people besides Chris Archer? Who are the other big starting pitcher commodities on the market this winter? I mean, I think a I lot know. of the, a lot of the focus has really been so far on Stanton, obviously, yeah. in terms of trade targets and obviously the Brewers aren't a match there. By the so. way, I was going to say, does anybody have any, I mean, obviously there's interest in Stanton just from like. You know, the perspective of it would be great to have Giancarlo Stanton on your team, but interest from, like, where he fits in the Brewers. No, not for me. Not for me. Can he play first base? (laughs) He'll be over there taking taking grounders with Chris Davis. Or is that when we move Ryan Braun to first base? Yeah, maybe that's it. Because that's uh, that's going to happen, right? But, like, thinking about who else is potentially on the market, I mean, you would like to think somebody like you would like to think that the Mets are going to realize they're going to have to trade pitchers eventually if they want to get any good, but the Mets don't want to trade anyone. So I don't think that the Mets are going to do anything. Uh, I would also they can, like, they to can keep that, them. I mean, considering the infirmary cost for that. Well, that's, I mean, but I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of DeGrom. Yeah. yeah. But there's a, would you give would, up more I, for, would you give up more for Archer or DeGrom? What's DeGrom's contract situation? Uh, I think, I, I think I would at the moment. I think I'd probably give up more for uh, Archer just because of the years of control um, and the contract. But I, I, I don't know for sure because I don't know what DeGrom's contract is. And I actually like DeGrom a lot. But I think, like, you'd also say, you know, the Angels, maybe they'd listen on somebody like Garrett Richards. And he's definitely got some, some injury issues. But, Again, I don't necessarily think the Angels are going to trade anything because they've still got Mike Trout, and they think that like this is their time to do something. And then I don't necessarily know who else is going to be making a lot of trades. I mean, there was a lot. There was some talk about Garrett Cole over the summer, but I don't understand why the Pirates would really do that at this point. Has Jerry Depoto got anything he needs to just <laughs> move? Is he getting an itch? <laughs> I don't. Well, it sounds like. I mean, to be honest, it looks like since they already traded a good, an actual good prospect for some international uh, money, it seems like they could be gearing up to make a run at a certain Japanese pitcher who might become available. Okay, what summer. what are you what are your thoughts on? Is it Otani? Shohei Otani. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on the Brewers just getting into that sweepstakes? What are they bringing to that sweepstakes? What can they offer? Probably money. They can't offer nearly as much as other teams because they had a pretty active July 2nd window this year. I believe they were limited to around a million dollars because of the... um, And there are teams that can go upwards of three million. So they can't offer that. They can't offer a market that will give him the ability to make money because he's going to be extremely limited in what he can make. So a large portion, I think of what, where he ends up going should probably be centered on what can he make in endorsements? And that means a big market. That doesn't mean Milwaukee. There's just a a natural limitation to what you can do as a Milwaukee brewer in terms of making endorsement money. Versus, I I don't think Otani is going to be coming to Milwaukee. Yeah. I think we can pretty well strike that out unless well, I guess, how is Otani now, how is this situation different than, like, when Tanaka or, or some of the other... Because he can Darvish only, he can make a, a tiny fraction of what they can. Sure. So it's going to come down to other I'm, side benefits that can I'm be I'm asking offered. you to say, like, 
what what are the signing differences? What are the rules that are in place now that are affecting this? Oh, because of the the way that the CB the last CBA was written, and because he's under the age of twenty five, he can only sign for whatever money a team has remaining in their uh, international pool, and it's a hard cap now. And teams get between four and six ish million dollars. So he's a being year. treated more of like when they're going down to the Dominican Republic and signing guys he's than same, just an open bidding war. He's in the same pool of players. Yeah, he's being treated as if he's the same as a sixteen-year-old kid from yeah from the Dominican Republic. He's in that same pool and cannot get out of that until he. It would be two more off seasons. He would have to wait. So not even next year it would have to be the year after that that he could get out of that. So he's extremely limited, and there's all kinds of talk of, you know, what teams can do and what teams can't do in terms of offering a long-term extension. And MLB has promised that if they sense any hanky-panky, like under-the-table dealings, that they're going to void contracts, and they'll... So <laughs> if there's, if there's hanky-panky... Was, was that to avoid the, the explicit tag? <laughs> I'm also Skull. pretty we, sure that I'm, I'm, I, can, I got other lots of words. So. Uh, say we're already, yeah, we're already going to have to change that because of you, uh, JP. So <laughs> yeah, if you know, if I had a bet to say like who's going to be the one to get the explicit tag on this podcast, it wouldn't have been JP. And here we are. <laughs> like he is definitely the one who has who has got us the explicit tag. I figured it would have been me or you, Steve, that would have dropped the f bombs. Yeah, but it wasn't. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Otani's interesting, but, yeah, difficult for the Brewers. Going back to DeGrom, he has – last year he was a Super 2. So he has three years of control left in arbitration, and it's not – he's not in a limited contract situation at this point. So you're talking about you'd be paying – you would be paying arbitration prices. Last year he made $4 million. Wait, okay, so you have three years of control for DeGrom, and you have three or four years for Archer. Four. It's four. It's four, four years for two, Archer. Yeah, it's two contract years and then two options. So years. three years of of Arb for Degrom or four years of a already set contract for Archer. Which one yeah, do you I like better, JP? Archer. Yeah, it's a significant advantage to Archer in that way. Even if I purely talking about the pitcher and who's going to be better over that time, I think I would take Degrom. Not maybe by a leaps and bounds, but I think Degrom's a little bit better. What if the price I mean, is? significantly lower for DeGrom? What if it's only Brinson and then you can just kind of fill it out with some other guys? But then I, yeah, then you take DeGrom, no questions asked. Yeah, I, I think that that's fine. But again, the Mets don't seem likely to want to move him, even if they should, because that's, I not think, how, they, that's how they run things. I mean, to, to be honest, if I were David Stearns, I would be uh, cozying up to the Baltimore Orioles during the winter meetings and continuously asking if... Uh, Gaussman is available. I was going to say Gaussman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a sort of a history of being really bad on developing pitchers and then them potentially going elsewhere and being better. So who besides Arietta? Um, I mean, Gaussman, they've handled like absolute dog crap. Yeah. They've noticed I saved the explicit tag there as well. <laughs> we already have it. So you might as well just go crazy at this point. Um, Tillman is Tillman still there? Trying to think of other guys. Yeah, Tillman's had, there. I mean, Tillman's, really bad Tillman's just, been in the rotation, and he's been decent. Well, he's got injured a little bit yeah. last year, I believe. I mean, Dylan Bundy is somebody who they've necessarily kind of bounced around as well. So, Well, they finally gave Bundy been, a chance this past season. Well, they did. And they gave him a chance and ran him into actually, the ground. 
Right. I mean, that wasn't necessarily ideal. Um, but I, it's a it's a difficult question to figure out who you should really target via the the trade market because the teams, the guys who have the young controllable pitching that you want are not the teams that are in a position in which they want to sell. So, I mean, it's not like you've got a position in which you know the Phillies got this this young starter that they're going to be itching to get rid of because they want to continue their their rebuild. The Marlins don't have a young pitcher that they want to get rid of. You know, they're trying to get rid of money, not talent. The White Sox they're, have already gotten rid of all their guys. Uh, yeah, the White Sox have already done that. The Padres don't have anybody that you really would like to target. So well, it's a, what it's about a Carlos Rodon? How does that Rodon? I would imagine if if I were the White Sox, I would actually give him a chance to rehabilitate his trade value instead of trading him. You know, when he doesn't really cost much. I was going to say he's had a number of injury issues this past season. So I don't know why like a team like the Brewers would want to take a chance on that. I mean, yeah. unless you could get yeah. him for dirt cheap. I mean, yeah, yeah you'd be, I mean, because it, he, that'd be, it'd be just like saying, you know, put hater in the rotation and let him go. Yeah. Cause he had issues coming back from his arm injury in the, you know, this past off season, starting the season. And then they had to shut him down at the end of the season. Cause he was still struggling. Yeah. So I, I don't know why the Brewers would ever want to take a chance on that. So did uh, Oakland have anybody after Sonny Gray? that had I mean, any sort of got, Sean I mean, they've Manea. Got, they've got, well, they've got Manea, but I don't know why they'd trade him. They've got Cotton, but I don't know why they would move him. They've got Graveman, but I don't necessarily think he's a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head that they've been rolling out. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look overly promising on that end either. And none of those guys, you know, Cotton had an ERA in the mid fives last year and Manea was in the high fours and we're talking about, or sorry, mid fours, 4.3. I like Manea a lot actually, but he's also not, I mean, you don't necessarily go, okay, let's take him out of the Oakland Coliseum. We're just advocating going for Radon from the White Sox. Right. Who had it down? No, no, no. I, I threw it out there. I hadn't even looked. Clearly. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to spitball. Does Texas, at what point does Wait, Texas... hold on, hold on, hold on. We are not going to just name all, <laughs> you know, 30 teams, 30 whatever it is and try to figure out who has a guy that they might trade. That's what no, That's why you're no, the best host in the business, Steve. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do some trivia. Yeah, okay, trivia time. JP, so you you came up with this game for the two of us. So explain yeah. it first and then you can start asking questions. So it doesn't have a name because I'm not professional enough to like give it a like a long running segment name. We'll call it um, trivia. No, that's no Milwaukee's tailgate that. trivia segment. <laughs> no, gosh, damn it. No, Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> that hasn't been taken. No, <laughs> no. So, uh, all right. So I've got uh, five clues here that will get progressively easier. Uh, the first one, I don't, you know, expect anybody to be able to get it, but we'll go and it'll get easier and easier. And by the end, if you can't get it, you are fired off the podcast. Um, <laughs> and so one of us is losing here i'm taking all my gear with me (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna read the the uh the clue and then if you want if you want to actually guess you only get one guess per clue if you want to guess you have to tell you just say stop and then give me your guess right so that means you can stop me in the middle of the question but i will not continue the question anymore okay okie doke all right so clue number one 
I was born in Villa Park, Illinois on September 18th, 1977. Tim Dillard. No. Oh. It's a good guess. You have a, you have a guess, Ryan? Richie Sexton. No. Second clue. I was a second round draft pick by the Colorado Rockies. Jamie Wright. No. I don't have a guess. So next. You pass. Pass. Number three. I hit 236, 299, 373 with five, five homers in my best season with the Brewers. Henry Blanco. No. Pass. Clue number four. I was traded to Milwaukee in 2009 for Tony Gwynn Jr. I was going to say Tony Graffinino, but that was earlier. Um, I remember this trade, too. Lopez. No. That's your guess, so you don't get another one. Yeah, okay. I'm drawing a blank, so you got to go. I hit for the cycle on May 8th, 2010 for the Brewers against the Diamondbacks. Chad Muller. No. No. Wrong wrong guy. (laughs) Oh, God. Who else hit for the cycle? There's somebody screaming at us right now. Yo, yeah, there are. Yo, yeah, we're now looking bad. Um, I went. I'll, I'll add another one. I went to I went to school at at uh, University of Stanford, Stanford University. Oh, um, Jody Garrett. Yep, there you go. Oh, Jody geez. Garrett. Okay. So there you go. Put some celebration music on. I I I'll give you the point, Ryan. I'm not happy about it because you couldn't get it after the last official clue. <laughs> but yeah. well, I wasn't up on the rules of this game. At first, I thought it was going to be somebody that's currently on the roster. No, well, that'd be super limited. But in 1977, say, somebody's on the roster. Well, <laughs> yes, from the first clue, I was like, oh, wait, we're going a, <laughs> a bit wider than I originally thought. Okay. But I was actually, I, for some reason, I thought Jody Garrett was like, I didn't realize his best season was he had a 299 on base percentage. Like, I didn't realize he was that bad. I think he had like a couple moments where he stuck out, you know, with some game winning hits. But yeah, otherwise, I just remember people hated him. That's really what well, I remember. Well, I, I understand why. That now. would be a reason, yeah. Um, and I also but, remember there being I talk think... about him. His it's weird. Baseball's weird. They he uh, he was considered too intellectual to be a good clubhouse guy. So like his Stanford education actually worked against him because he actually he had a degree as opposed to you know a lot of people who you know do their three years in college and then get drafted. Is that why Mark Capel has had so much uh, trouble? I wonder what, I just remember what the that Cardinals think about Stephen Piscotty. He was considered, he was, I remember people talking about how he's a liability because he's too smart. <laughs> well, I will say, as I was researching the clues for the, for this question or for this segment, what did that uh, research was, entail? Uh, the internet. By the um, way, what was the easiest clue? My first name is Jody. The guy who hit for the cycle. The guy who hit for the cycle. Considering there were two people since 2000 that have hit for the cycle, it shouldn't have been that hard. Well, I guess the other one. I I mean, this this goes to show. Yeah, because that's not, I don't pay 
yeah. Uh, the Chad Muller one, though, I did know because that was hilarious. And Chad Muller was like our favorite player. So he had our but favorite. We, we, say, we both had a soft spot because it was walk up music. So, I mean, he was <laughs> sure. So Jody Garrett, Jody Garrett was uh, was uh, rated or I don't know if he but he came in number 12 as like the smartest athlete in professional sports. All uh, of professional sports? All of professional sports. He's, He's smarter than all the curlers and all of the. I highly doubt whatever was what uh, Bob publication that came from was including curling. But <laughs> um, I remember like I think that one of the the things that for some reason I remembered about Jody Garrett when they whenever they talked about the fact that he went to Stanford is he like what he wanted to do long term and everybody, you know, do you want to be a scout? Do you want to be a coach? Do you want to do all these things? And he wanted to start. Uh, I don't know if it was like a consultation business or whether it was actually going to be financial planning or whatever, but he wanted to educate professional baseball players how to invest their money. So they didn't go, didn't go broke. And like, that was like one of his things that he said, being a professional athlete is like what he wanted to do afterwards. You know who else had that goal? Lenny Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra had a lot of goals. Well, Lenny Dykstra, that was his thing. He was, he was going to help players invest. And it turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Well, Lenny Dykstra, sure. Lenny Dykstra didn't go to Stanford. <laughs> no, he went to prison, though. <laughs> I'm also not sure that when Lenny, when Lenny Dykstra said that his goal was to help people invest, you thought, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a, why wouldn't I want to give my money and my life savings over to a guy named Nails? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, you know, I'll give Garrett credit because, I mean, it seems like that's a market that uh, there's plenty of money available in it. So. We should do that brewery <laughs> question. Oh, you wanted okay. We should. We, I was we're you not know, in an hour yet. What, what's funny is I was waiting for you to like mime opening a beer or something like that, and then I could like segue into it, but you had to just be the blunt object you are and and you know batter us all with <laughs> what topic you want to do next. But uh yeah, Jay Google asks, uh, what are the underrated breweries in the state? So I guess Ryan, what breweries do you enjoy that maybe aren't, you know? I don't know, Miller. Well, we'll even say, <laughs> hold on. We'll even say, you know, what do you, what do you like that's not, you know, your, your, maybe your trio of like Sprecher, you know, Lakefront, and what would be the next big one? Maybe uh, Milwaukee Brewing Company? Sure, the ones that are local to us here. But there's, you know. There's but New they've Glarus also been established for quite a while. New Glarus is probably the biggest microbrewery there's in the state. One. Yeah. yeah. And the most established. Um so a couple weeks ago, I went up to uh, Lacrosse. That's where my wife's family's from, and we went to Turtle Stack, and they had a very, very good selection of beers for a place that you know hasn't been at it that long. Um, very much enjoyed the Belgians. Had a Dunkelweizen that was very, very good. Like a very complex. We drank that like three weeks ago during sure. the podcast. Oh, I brought the growler of it, and we were sharing that. And that was not the one that tasted like onions. No, that one was from Illinois. Yes. So uh, Turtle Stack, and apparently people have been talking about that as being one that's gaining notoriety within the state community as a a microbrew on the rise. So Turtle Stack is the one I'll go with. Do you have any other favorites? I'm trying to look up some stuff. I'm trying. Okay, so we, we were currently drinking Good City uh, Brewing out of Milwaukee. Their uh, motto. Uh, mosaic pale ale 
This is going to turn into a what are you drinking segment. Well, I'm trying to bring in something that we were actually drinking during the show. So uh, they're a relatively new ones. So that one's been good. And there are a lot of new ones. That, so it's, it's funny asking this question. I'm like, I don't even know all the new breweries that have shown up. Even driving, because I went to the Badger game uh, this past weekend. We were driving back from the game and I'm passing stuff like on, I don't know, Park Street or something. And they're like little brew pubs all over mm-hmm. the place. I'm like, I can't even keep track of the number of places, especially around Madison anymore. Madison and Milwaukee both have had a, sort of a late explosion of this. Like, you, a lot of places had this 10, 15 years ago, and it seems to be more in the last five years that we start seeing it in some of the bigger <laughs> cities. Because there had been a pretty, there's a pretty low number of, like, microbrews in Milwaukee, considering it's, you know, beer city. You would have thought that there would just be tons and tons of them. And it wasn't. It was mostly brew pubs was sort of the... Well, and there's an issue with some of the brewing laws and stuff in the state. So I think that oh, was yeah. part of it. So, JP, do you have any, any uh, thoughts on which breweries you like to visit when you're in town? I don't, but thank you. What do you like to visit when you're in town? In town being Madison? Sure, in Madison. Uh, I was saying, because I don't go to Milwaukee all that much outside of going to games. I don't know. I guess I like to go to a bunch of places. I like the fact that Colectivo has a uh, couple of good coffee shops downtown now. Uh, I like um, Cooper's Tavern down on the square for... I know that they're an Arsenal bar, and I'm going to give them brunch and to watch, a, uh, watch the Premier League. Um, what do you get when yeah. you go to the tavern? I don't know. What is it? Nobody gives what do you a sit shit there, like. What do you said? They're drinking a, a Coke or something like that? I mean, you know, you got all... No, you usually get coffee and, and brunch. Well, don't like, you... a good, like a good white millennial. You don't see like a, a fine... <laughs> English, are there avocados You don't involved? see like a fine English ale and think like, oh, well, I'll try that since I'm sitting here watching Arsenal. No, I'm very happy to have uh, usually corned beef hash, which is delicious there, uh, and then get uh, get a nice coffee. So, but literally, it... literally nobody gives a shit about that. No. Uh, but not I was, even you and you asked the question. I was trying to pull you into it a little bit. So I was surprised that we got you going to a, a brew pub or whatever, at least, or a tavern. So, um, are you going to do the, uh, Black Friday? Because at I don't drink, I've never gone to a tavern in my life. I don't know. What do you, ha- what else do you have to do there then? What? Go to food? Ta- I'm sure that, I'm sure say, that- I've got. I've gone to plenty of taverns and brew pubs because my wife really enjoys craft beer. So your uh, wife is parents, the one we should my, be talking to right now. Is she my around? Wife is, my wife is way cooler than me. <laughs> is she available <laughs> to talk no, to? She, uh, no. She, <laughs> right? she, I'll, I'll invite her on as a guest appearance next time. Yeah. That, no, yeah. I, literally, I was going to say, actually, like even for my, for my department here. Um, and like, I'm well aware that my, my wife is super cool. But, like, I'll show up and they'll be like, oh, James, you're here. Is your wife here? I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> Good to see you, too. I have I have similar problems. So, anyways, are you doing uh, Lakefront's Black Friday? That event? would be difficult to do considering I'm going to be You're going to be out of town. Okay. Yep. Because I know that they have, well, I think a lot of the breweries have, like, Black Friday events now. I'll just give you a bunch of money, and you just bring me goodies. You want me to do that? I, I will give you money. We'll talk about it off the air. Okay, we'll do that. So that's going to do it for the show this week. Just a reminder, we're going to be off next week, but we will return in December. We'll probably talk winter meetings. Um, so as always, follow us on Twitter at MKETailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com. 
or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can always leave reviews and help people find the podcast. So thanks for listening and look for us again in two weeks on Milwaukee's Tailgate. It's episode 17 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers cod, cod, cod past. Cod, cod piece. <laughs> your, your Milwaukee Brewers cod piece. Available now for Christmas. Just in time. Order now on disciplesofbuker.com. Custom cod pieces brought to you by Steve Garshinsky. <laughs>